0: Most people are familiar with the account of the Bethlehem star announcing the birth of the Messiah in the heavens. Many believe this is nothing more than acute narrative with no factual evidence to support this scripture. In order to know what the ancient skies looked like, we have to know the math behind the movements of the solar system. Johannes Kepler figured out the math. He documented the three laws of planetary motions. These are the same laws NASA uses today calculating where planets and stars are heading when they launch a rocket for 10, 15, 20 years. Today, we have taken the math and converted this into software. Join us now as we investigate what the heavens look like in the shining signpost of Jesus the Messiah. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, Before I begin, let me wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a happy and blessed New Year. Uh, Because here I sit on the 20th of December recording this presentation, just a few short days away from... uh, uh, Christmas when we celebrate the birth of uh, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in that spirit and, and in that mode, uh, this broadcast and subject title will be on the shining signpost of Jesus the Messiah. Uh, there will be some, I, I believe, some absolutely riveting and fascinating information that uh, we could not have obtained 15, 20, 25 years ago, but because of The advances in computing and software design, and uh, some other information that we can glean from in the areas of mathematics and science, we're we're going to point out some things that's that I believe is absolutely fascinating uh, concerning the the star of Bethlehem as it's known, and uh, you know we're we're going to kind of break down a lot of different areas, so it's going to be fun. Um, Before I begin, I'd like to ask you if you don't mind. Please hit the like and the subscribe button, whatever uh, platform you're you're watching this on or listening on for our podcast listeners, for our video blog uh, watchers and listeners, uh, whether it's YouTube and and the different uh, podcast platforms and Apple and Spotify and Google and and so forth and so on. And again, we're on the uh, social media platforms as well. So please hit that like and subscribe button so it helps us get the information out as well as if you could jump on the Russick Outlook and join our email list. We'll notify you of new information, and we have a couple of things coming up that's going to be new in in 2022. Uh, So you will get that information only if you are on our email list, and we'll notify you that way. That's all we do with it. So uh, enough of that. Let's get into this. Let's get into the Christmas spirit. Let's get into some of the information that... uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to unfold and unpack, and ultimately, this is really supposed to and is intended to, from my point of view, to shine the light on who is the light, which is our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me lay a foundation here. Uh, Genesis one fourteen through fifteen. If you're following me on video, I, I show this on the left. Uh, then God said, "Let there be lights in the firmament and of the heavens." To divide the day from night, which we know, and let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. My emphasis here is on signs. So, the the, the star of Bethlehem is a sign that, that was announced in the heavens and, and uh, giving glory to God, uh, uh, announcing the birth of what will be the risen Savior. So, we have other accounts of it. Think of the blood moons as, as modern-day examples of what we see as that falls on, on all of the uh, Jewish holidays. I've covered that in the past. Think about the crucifixion, um, the, you know, the accounts of, of, of the darkness and what was going on and the earthquakes and what was happening in the heavens as Jesus died. Um, you know, the, the, the the splitting of the veil, uh, um, you know, that was on the earth. But, I mean, these were signs that came from the heavens. Uh, i 'm going to jump over to psalm nineteen one through five The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, so the heavens the stars are uttering speech. it has knowledge. Uh, you know you can go anywhere there and it's not heard. nasa has has recorded the the vibrations um in different parts of the galaxies and uh many have reported at times it sounds like a symphony is playing the music is playing heaven's music is playing uh and, and so there you have an account of it uh it's, it goes on to say the their line has gone throughout all the earth in their words to the end of the world that's pretty heavy it's pretty significant so you know, again, pointing to the significance, uh, you know, of the heavens, of the galaxies, of the stars, the planets, uh, the moons. Uh, that this is all part of God's creation, lays into His master plan. I'm going to jump to another example of signs that will be to come. That Jesus, when He was asked about what will be the signs uh, of your coming, of the second coming, of the advent. Uh, There will be signs, this is Jesus, Luke 21, 25 through 26. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars of the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So we have not seen that, but it's pointing out that Jesus is saying there will be signs in the heavens. So this has all come into play. This is kind of, I'm trying to set the stage that we have scriptural backing for the sign that will come that announces the birth of Jesus. Side note, which will become important uh, in the next couple of slides, there are, because of the discovery of the Hubble telescope in the 1920s, I believe it was, at least 100 billion galaxies that we know of that are roughly the size of our Milky Way exist outside of our galaxy, and they each have at least 100 billion stars. So, you know, consider the magnificence and the splendor of our galaxy. There's hundreds and billions of, uh, or, or at least 100 billion with 100 billion stars each. So that's, that's pretty significant, and that will come into play as I lay some more things out. But I just wanted to kind of set the stage of what we know, of how the, the universe uh, had a beginning and is expanding. So, uh, you know, I I, I, I I think I find that to be very, very significant. So I'm going to cover a couple of more scriptures in the Old Testament here. If you're following me on video, Isaiah 40, 26. Lift up your eye, eyes on high, and behold who has created these things that brings out their host by number... "...and calls them by names by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power, and no one faileth." So again, he calls them by names, all of these stars and galaxies that we're talking about. Now, let me jump to Job 9, 7 through 9, Consider the oldest book in the Bible. which And this is the Lord speaking to Job, "...which commands the sun, and it rises not, and seals up the stars." which alone spreads out the heavens and treads upon the waves of the sea, which makes our Ar- Arcturus, Orion, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. So these are these groupings of stars that everybody's familiar with. We call them those same names today. Job 38, 31 through 33. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maserath, which is another Hebrew a uh, term for the constellations in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Know thou ordinances of heaven, canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? So be, let me pause just for a second. When we're talking about the Maseroth, we're not talking about astrology. I'm going to give you some, to show you some things in comparison with the constellations because people know it by by the astrological names, but that is actually uh forbidden in the old testament uh it, you know and you know i I've covered so much of this in the past, but astrology is obviously a sin it is not meant to depict who you are or where you are and or or what your future holds that is uh uh or its origins let me just say is is absolutely rooted in evil, so that's not what we're talking about however, the Lord has made the the heavens and the stars and he's pointing these out as I said for signs and he's he's depicted and shown the gospel uh, I'll go so far as to say that in in the heavens and in the constellations and there's there's books and teachings on that as well that you can that you can glean from but my point here is he's named in the oldest book in the bible these these groupings of stars that we're all familiar with. Let me jump to Amos 5 through 8 on the top left in the video. He made the Pleiades and the Orion. He shows he turns the shadow of death into morning. He makes the day dark as night. He calls the waters of the sea, pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. So there we have it. Now, very interestingly, he names these two constellations. They are the only two groupings or constellations that actually have a gravitational relationship with one another. It's the only two throughout the galaxies that that we know of, that we're familiar with today. So interestingly enough, the oldest book in the Bible points this out. Just a side note. Now, let me give you another side note that I find very interesting. So this has to do with, I'm going to take a little sidetrack here, um, what I'm titling, Things That Make You Go, Hmm... And this would, this really goes to the, the another obvious account of creation as opposed to evolution. So on the left-hand side, I'm showing you these, what's called spiral galaxies. And I'm sure, you know, uh, many of you, if not all of you, you're familiar, you've seen these images before, and they're all these different galaxies, because as I pointed out, there's billions of them. But notice that the difference from how we're observing it, the the difference in light years away. So Top left corner, I'm showing you something that's 2.1 billion light years and then 3.8 billion light years and 5.3 and 6.4. So they're billions of light years away from us and away from one another. So I'll describe it for our podcast listeners. It's that spiral uh, um, image that you you see. If you look up the different um, uh, spiral galaxies, you'll see this and they have what's very similar arms. But what's interesting about this is the arms are spread out almost identical. If you, and, and I'm showing you the images, uh, but the furthest galaxies had to release their light long before the closest galaxies, which is why I'm showing you the difference in billions of light years. So the further galaxies did not have as much time to rotate and twist their arms. So in essence, we should be seeing the further galaxies earlier in their cycle thus the closer galaxies should have the most twist but yet the the, the the twist is identical which means these nearer ones implies that all of these galaxies were created at the same time so even though we see these at these the, the distances in light years away the the formation of these arms are all identical the difference in resolution if you would is because of the difference in time because light is speed of light is finite so uh it, it it's just it's 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 fascinating that if you look at this, it's just another account of creation. And I'm taking a sidetrack about the stars because we're, we're covering so much about it. But when I was studying this, I found this and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So when we look at all of these billions of galaxies, there's evidence that it was all made at the same time. So next, I'd like to go to something to dispel a little bit of a myth in, in this sense. Uh, so many people equate uh, the the uh, um, uh, the magi, the 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 kings that that came to to honor Jesus, and they depict him in the manger and they're bringing him gifts. But that's not actually scripturally accurate. And I, so I just wanted to pause for a second before I delve a little bit more into the star of Bethlehem. Uh, I'm I'm going to go to the book of Luke here in chapter two, and I'm going to jump to verse eight. Uh, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. But there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in sw- swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. So many of you listening or watching, you're familiar with the scripture, you hear it or hear it all the time around this time of year. But my point is, this is the announcement to the shepherds. And notice that the angels needed to let them know this is important because uh the this star that they're looking for wasn't overtly obvious to them, or what, what's what's brought about um when when people describe this this time of year, the birth of our Savior. So I'm jumping down to verse 15 in the yellow highlight. So it was when the angels had gone away from into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returning, glorifying and praising God, For all the things that they had heard and seen, as as it was told by them. So what's important here, and you'll and you'll see it in a little while. There is no mention of kings. There is no mention of of gifts and of the magi coming, uh, because they weren't there at this time. And 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 I'll break it down even further as we go along. But notice some of the other things in this, too. talks about the circumcision of Jesus. When eight days were complete, the circumcision of the child, his name was Jesus, the name given by the angel after he was conceived in the womb. Then Jesus is presented in the temple, much uh, like, like many churches today. When, when they uh, bring their, their newborn or you know uh, a, a child, I, I know rather than baptizing them, which uh, the Catholics will do, they will offer them and present them to the church and, and make a commitment to raise them in the way that, that they should go, as, as it says in Proverbs, and the church supports them. So it's the same thing as, as it's, a, it's really, it's a baby dedication as opposed to a baby baptism. And if you see here, Jesus was presented in the temple as a baby dedication. It goes on with Simeon seeing God's salvation, Anna the prophetess bearing witness, so there's two accounts here where people see the young child and they recognize because of things that were revealed to them by the Holy Spirit that this is the Christ child, this is the Savior of the world, and, and so it's just you know it's it's a it's a wonderful wonderful um, depiction of what actually happened, and it's different than what we're going to find out in the Book of Matthew. So I just wanted to kind of lay that groundwork that the 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 account of the star and the, and the Magi does not go to the actual birth of Jesus in the manger. Now I'm going to read Matthew, and I'm going to break this down. If you notice on video, I've highlighted these individual pieces because this particular chapter is so rich, and it starts with this. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So they came from the east We're going to break this down a little bit, probably from the area of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. Could have been from Persia, modern-day Iran. Um, But but anyway, they came from the east. They came from a long journey, and I'll show you the map shortly. Verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and they came to worship him. That's so rich, right there. So they see uh, signs in the heavens. They see the star. They they obviously have knowledge of, of of the of the Jewish prophecies. They and they study of the Maseroth, study of the constellations. They're seeing things now, which tends lends me to believe that they are Jewish or familiar with the Jewish scriptures. It's possible they're not. I don't. You know, we don't know that for sure. But they're at least very very familiar with. Uh, uh, the the Jewish accounts, the Hebrew accounts, and and the Masoroth, and they recognize it's a kingly anointing. They've come to worship him. Man, that speaks volumes right there. Verse three: When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. So, you know, notice Herod. It, why is he troubled, and and all of Jerusalem, because they hear that these kings are coming to worship. Jesus the Christ. And then it goes on to say, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. So he's he's telling his people, you must know where Christ should be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. <clears throat> I just uh, wrote in there, Micah five 5.2 is, is where the prophecy was held, where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, just another astounding fact uh, pointing to the validity of Christ as Savior. Let me jump down to verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So that tells me Herod was not familiar or did not see the star or did not recognize that there was something significant in it. So it also tells me it was something that was not like shocking to everybody, you know, because let me just put it this way. You would see the stars a lot more clearly now, uh, clearly at that time, as opposed to all the smog pollution that we have today. We don't see the skies as clearly as you would a couple of thousand years ago. Um, And they would have been filled, so they would have been familiar with it. But it wasn't something that just jumped out that people were talking about. There was a sign there, Um, But it wasn't obvious. I'll I'll leave it at that. Verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again, so I may come and worship him also. And, you know, we come to find out that that he had no business or no uh, intent of worshiping him or honoring him. He wanted him dead. And we know that because he ordered, later on we find out, that he ordered every child uh, at two and under to be killed because he couldn't find the Christ child. Uh, So you're talking about a psychopath there. You're talking about a very demented, evil, evil king. Um, So let me go on. Verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed, and, lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. So it stopped so the you know uh, the, the 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 kings that are coming the magi that are coming they see that the star had stopped when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy so here they're traveling from either modern day iraq or iran into israel and i'll show you that journey in a second uh, a long long way and when they can and this is important and when they come into the house they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshiped him. So they came to the house. It was not the manger. It is a young child. It is not a baby. It is not an infant. So it tells you this is well after the birth. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, you know, many times, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into this too, you know, people think that there were three magi because there were three gifts. We don't know that. We don't know how many magi. We don't know how many kings. We just know the three main gifts that that were offered here. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. So even you know, even though Herod wanted them to report back where this Christ child was, they were warned in the dream by 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 an angel to to leave. And then it goes on to say, when they departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and basically instructing him to take him to, to Egypt. And that's where, uh, if you jump down to verse 15, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the uh, of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt I called my son. And, and that's really where he begins that, that uh, young man's journey coming out of Egypt. So there's an awful lot of very, very rich information in, in this first 15 verses. There's a lot that we can we can understand and, and learn from it. And, you know, I kind of, hopefully I broke that down for you, uh, you know, where you kind of put yourself in their shoes and what they were seeing. So here is uh, um, a possible journey that I'm showing you Um going from Babylon, which is about 900 miles, we think is approximately 120 days. And that's by uh, by camel and, and, and whatever animals that they had, figuring that they are going somewhere between 17 to 23 miles a day in this caravan. So it could have been, you know, further, it could have been further north into Persia. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't know. But I will say this, that if they're familiar with the Jewish customs and the Hebrew customs. Uh, Remember that Daniel was highly esteemed in training the people of his day. And he, you know, after the Babylonian Empire, he never returned to Israel. He stayed there uh, with the Persian Empire, the Medo-Persians. And there's a good chance that he continued or uh, laid a legacy of of the training of, of the Hebrew scriptures. So these Magi could have been you know what? Uh, what we would have considered maybe modern-day scientists, um, because they would have learned some of the Maserat, they would have learned some of the constellations, um, and and what I'm saying is possible. I'm not, I'm not saying this with certainty, uh, but but it's 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 fair. It's a fairly good assumption. Let me put it that way. I'm giving you some things here, some images on the left of what that star or constellation could have been like if they're looking directly up into the night sky. Or if they're traveling by the mountains, what they may be seeing in the distance as as you get into sunset. So, you know, just trying to kind of put yourself in their shoes. Now, let me jump to uh, some interesting information. And re- where I'm going is because we're going to kind of break down what some of these uh, uh, um, astronaut or astronomy software that's available to us today. And because of this, we can kind of go back. We know with precision you know, how the stars will, will travel and the planets will travel and whatnot. And we use these software programs to base our calculations when we launch rockets into ship uh, into space, um, you know, when they're going to go on a 10-, 15-year journey, we know exactly what they're going to run into. And we know this by the discovery of Johannes Kepler. He discovered the three laws of uh, planetary motion, which I lay out here on the left, and because of this, we were able to um, know for certainty as these software programs are developed uh with this uh planetary law of motion as a uh as a foundation. This is after Copernicus Copernicus, both Christians by the way, Johannes Kepler and Copernicus. Copernicus was able to discover the significance of the sun as opposed to Uh, beforehand where they were thinking that the universe revolved uh, the planets the sun revolved around the earth when it was the circuitry of 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 how we were rotating Um, but after that kepler um, discovered this and then he was a christian and wanted to go find the star he wanted to find figure out when that would have happened he was trying to learn when jesus would have been born However, he ran into a little bit of an issue with Josephus. He believed Herod had died in 4 B.C. based upon the writings of his day by Flavius Josephus, who was a Jewish historian. We have since come to find out there were some erroneous records. Earlier copies of Josephus and some other manuscripts has Herod dying in 1 B.C. So therefore, uh, they, the, the, the observations or the look is into 2 and 3 B.C., because he could not find it in four, five, six, or seven, uh, because he had the wrong dates, uh, according to many historical records, not only Josephus. Then I give you some, uh, some just some images of what some of these programs are like. Um, I'm going to take some of the information and show you. There's a uh, program and a presentation by a gentleman named Frederick Larson on the Star of Bethlehem. He uses a software program today called Starry Night. Uh, it's it's definitely a worthwhile presentation to look at. He comes to some what I think are what, what he views as definitive conclusions. I'm I'm not sure that I'm a hundred percent with him, but I I think he's right on track, and and he could be, he could be. Uh, so certainly worth looking at and, and uh, investigating as well. But this is how we are to know what happened. We're able to track what the stars, what the heavens were looking like at different dates because of the three laws of planetary motion discovered by Kepler. So because of the way these stars are laid out, I'm giving you some examples of what I don't think they were. Um, and and uh, as a matter of fact, in the, in the presentation uh, on the star of Bethlehem, they agree. These are comets, uh, supernovas, shining stars, shooting stars. You know, and a comet is really something that's destructive uh even all the more reason that they it, that you wouldn't see this uh, you know around the birth of jesus but also looking at many many uh chinese records astronomical records they are they they go back a long ways and they go back to this time and there's nothing in there about anything l- remotely close to this around this time period so the earliest manuscripts we have of accounts of space at this time Nothing about this. Nor do we see this in the in the astronomical or the astronomy software. However, we do see some other interesting things. So, before I I, I break down, I'm going to stay with uh, the the uh, the program on uh, the star of Bethlehem. Uh, he came to nine conclusions based upon the uh, the account of Matthew chapter two that we read, and I agree with him uh, that the, this star would have to indicate a birth. It indicates kingship, remember? Uh, the Jews, they were the Magi was interested in, in the things that were Jewish. It must rise in the east. Most stars do rise in the east. Uh, it appears at an exact time. Uh, Herod did not know when it appeared. Remember, he had to ask. It endured over a considerable period of time because they were following it as they were traveling from uh, either modern-day Iraq or Iran. It went ahead of them as they traveled from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. When they reached Jerusalem, Bethlehem is about five miles south of, of, of Jerusalem, so that the, the, the star stopped. They were able to see where it was that they were to go. So what's interesting here is if you look at the constellation Leo, you see um, Jupiter, and it's considered the wandering star planets. Uh, they, the planets are stars, and they, and they move around in this field of fixed stars. And Jupiter is the largest. It's 11 times the diameter of, of Earth, and it's also known as the king's planet. There's also a star called Regulus, uh, which is right alongside—it's called the king's star. And interestingly, at a time period of which is very close to what we believe is the birth of Jesus— uh, this passed by three different uh, occasions, uh, Jupiter with uh, Regulus, and it formed what appears to be a crown. So that little depiction on the right-hand side, you see it one time, and it actually went around three times. What's also interesting here is if you go to Genesis 49, 9 through 10, it says Judah, which is Jesus is known as coming from the tribe of Judah, is a lion's whelp interestingly, we're looking at the lion's constellation, what we would know it from astrology as Leo, but in the constellations of the Maserat, it's the lion. And it says, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies as a lion, as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. So the scepter is the king's scepter nor a lawgiver uh, from be- between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So this is about Jesus, um, but this is interesting because it lines up with the things that w- that we see as uh, as a sign of this time. So there, you know, you have that. So I wanted to kind of set that stage in motion. So there's a conclusion that we can reach. Uh, In September of 3 BC, Jupiter came into conjunction with Regulus, the star of the kingship, the brightest star in the constellation known as Leo the Lion. Leo was the constellation of kings. It was associated with the Lion of Judah. Just a month earlier, Jupiter and Venus had almost seemed to touch each other in another close conjunction in the east. So here you have them barely touching. So on top of Regulus, you have... Jupiter and Venus, and they're they're now all coming together. So that could overwhelmingly be something bright that stood and appeared to them. The conjunction between Jupiter and Regulus was repeated in February and May of 2 B.C., because remember, it's at different times. Finally, on June 17th, 2 B.C., Jupiter and Venus, the two biggest objects in the night sky except for the moon, came so close that their discs appeared to touch. This exceptionally rare event could not have been missed by observers such as the wise men. The Bible does not mention how many wise men there were. We we, we, we got into that. Um, it is reasonable to suppose that their journey took months. However, since they had to cross several hundred miles of desert to reach Jerusalem, if they were in Jerusalem before dawn on December 25th, 2 B.C., they would, in fact, have seen Jupiter almost directly over Bethlehem to the south. So that's why I said December 25th could be significant. It's not the birth of Jesus. Jesus wasn't born on that day. But maybe, just maybe, that's something that, you know, obviously the Lord knew we would be celebrating on December 25th. Maybe there is some significance to this date. They could have traveled uh, the five miles to Bethlehem and presented their gifts that day. But then Jesus would have been a child living with his parents in a house, not a baby in a manger. That's why I wanted to read that opening uh, uh, chapter from Luke. There is a reference to an infant, not to an infant, which is also called briefos in the Greek, but to a toddler, padion, indicating that the birth had been, uh, itself had been months beforehand, if not a little longer. That would mean that Jesus was born in the spring or the summer which makes a better setting for Luke's account of the shepherds. In winter in Judea, it was too cold for sheep to graze in the open fields, and they were commonly kept under shelter during those months, especially at night. So that's why, and you know, another reason I wanted to read it, the shepherds were out in the field with their sheep, so it's probably spring or summer was, was the actual birth of Jesus. There is no conflict with the traditional date of Jesus' birth, because December 25th was an arbitrary choice. Interestingly, early Christians changed the date numerous times to, devo- to avoid discovery by the Romans when they were persecuting the Christians at its height. Christianity finally became the official religion of the, of the Roman Empire, so the festival of Christmas on December 25th, observing the, the birth of Jesus it replaced the pagan festival on that day, celebrating the rebirth of the sun as the days began to get longer during uh, following the winter solstice. So there, you know, there, there there's some interesting uh, information there. So it replaced the pagan holiday, designating Jupiter, which is a, called the king's planet. And I should say I, I I don't think I mentioned this in the Maseroth. The Jupiter is is known as um, Uh, the Messiah's planet, the King's planet. So even though they don't recognize that the Messiah had come, they recognize that sign Jupiter as being representative of of the Messiah. Uh, So designating Jupiter or the conjunction of Jupiter and Venus as the star of Bethlehem eliminates a number of problems, but probably neither is the last word on the subject. Little is still known historically about this period when Jesus was born, Uh, hopefully, you know, we may see new information come about, new archaeological discoveries may help us dig a little bit deeper to the date uh, of of Herod's death. Um, And it may provide a little bit of a better accurate, more accurate picture. But this is really, really, really close. Uh, I I believe that we're looking in that two to three BC period, I believe, you know, what we just laid out here, uh, more than likely is what happened, but we can't say it definitively. But it was clearly we're seeing things based upon the software, based upon things that we know are absolutely accurate to that time of what the heavens were looking like. So it's more than likely when when we see Jupiter getting very close to Venus and then uh, passing Regulus at that same time, again, making that crown, interestingly, uh, you know, pointing to the king. So there you have it. There you have the sign of of, of the birth of, of, of our king, honoring him again, not at the manger sometime later as a toddler, but nonetheless recognized from as far as Babylon could be possibly from instructions that were possibly laid out from Daniel and his lineage. So let me conclude this, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, for to us, a child is born. To us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end. Amen and amen. So I I, I hope you enjoyed this. I certainly enjoyed studying this out. Uh, Let me again close by wishing all of you a Merry Christmas, a happy, a blessed New Year. In 2022, and if you're watching this in 2022 or, or after Christmas and after the New Year's, it, it, the, the, the sentiment is still the same from me. I would be remiss if I didn't close with the most important person—that's you. If you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I implore you to please consider, recognize that you are a sinner, and if 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 this Registers with you if this ministered to you to please ask Jesus into your heart. Ask him to be the the Savior. Recognize and you know confess that Jesus, I am a sinner. I missed it, and 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 I ask you to come into my heart to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And from this day forward, you will be changed. You will be set free. You will enjoy the journey of your life, not only here on earth, but for all of eternity. So. Uh, I, I just ask you to consider it if, if you don't know Jesus as Lord. Um, and if you have any further questions, shoot me an email, at gmail.com. Uh Find a church in your area, Good Bible Church. If you don't know of one, shoot me an email. I'll do my best to tap into my contacts to find a good Bible-believing, strong church in your area. And there's great information all over the web. So, I hope you enjoyed this presentation, you know, announcing the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the victory of who we have in Jesus. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed it. and I want to thank you for your time again. My name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.